Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, second hour is here. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow here at outkick.com slash watch. Our thanks to Armando Salguero for joining us. Uh, coming up, Amy Dash, the Odyssey Legal Insiders. Plenty of legalities across sports right now, specifically football and, and streaming. Huddy, you, you know every, every so often yeah. uh, something comes across social media to report that it just really grabs my attention, okay. grabs my eyes, and i got to update the people. In real time, okay. When it happens, okay. I have double and triple checked to make sure this is not a fake front office sports account. Okay. When I saw this, because it's so wild to me. Can't wait. From front office sports, Glenn Powell, co-star of Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Okay. Will star in Chad Powers, a Hulu series built around the character wow. created by Eli Manning, and Omaha Productions for ESPN. While Powell is taking over the lead role, Eli Manning was involved behind the scenes and set in on the pitch process to different streaming services. Sources told Front Office Sports. Chad Powers. Chad Powers, which was the I believe is Penn being State. pitched as the next Ted Lasso. This was the Penn State character. The fake Penn State old man quarterback that was a walk-on that Eli Manning did in practice with James Franklin and his team. How do they not connect that with Kenny Powers? Oh, I, saying, like, oh hey, I'm sure. No, I, I, I'm sure that Eli Manning thought Kenny Powers when he did it. Yeah. And said yeah Chad Powers. I thought you were about to tell me there was like, no, a but I'm like, this is, this is, I, I don't, I, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. I'll read up more on it. This is, um, oh, a, uh-huh. a direct thing that says Ted Lasso. No one thought this would work. If I'm in the pitch, I'm saying Ted Lasso was a promotional, commercial tool for NBC mm. Sports with the English Premier League. And it was this Southern American football coach trying to learn soccer. And Jason Sudeikis and the creator went to it and said, this is a crazy idea, but I think we have a series here. And it went to Apple, and it was a global sensation and won awards. I think that's what they're trying to do with Chad Powers. Because this sounds insane to me that this is an entire series. I agree with you. But Glenn Powell's, Powell is terrific. We interviewed him at the Super Bowl uh, in yeah, Miami. Yeah, Glenn, right. Glenn Powell, before now, he blew up when you uh, see for Eli Top Gun here, Maverick. And we, you know, but he, he was on the field with football players at Penn State. When you see this, it, how do you fall for this? No, I don't think you do. I, I, I have to think that most of them knew what was going on. Everyone? I mean, that prosthetic nose. I know. Like, but, but how do you try to sell it as real? I don't under like. I think there were a couple of guys who who actually bought it and thought that okay. it might be real that he's trying out for the team. They're like, man, this guy's hey, really good. Uh, this this also uh, just coming across based on uh, Sean McVay's media availability. Um, so he continues to say that he hasn't connected with Stetson Bennett, Rams quarterback, but was sent away during the season. Uh, We'll connect with Stetson Bennett, quote, at the appropriate time. Yeah, there's something what going on What is going on here? On here? I, I, 
is it rehab? Like no one's saying anything. uh, That's my initial thought would be something that medically they don't want to talk about unless he wants to talk about it, which would be rehab of some sort. But I don't know. Because he was. That's what I keep coming back to. He was at a game or something, I thought. So uh, Gary Klein of the Los Angeles Times quoted him saying uh, that they'll connect with Bennett at the appropriate time. And you figure out, all right, where are you at? And is this something we feel like is best for him and our football team to bring him back into the ecosystem? That from Sean McVay. I hope Bennett's good. Yeah, like, it's very, I mean, very mysterious. Yes. But my initial thought is probably rehab, but, he looked, but we don't know. I agree. He looked good in the preseason for what that's worth. Yeah. You know, um, he's always, we saw what he did in college as well. Uh, that, Omaha Productions, by the way, has confirmed. They okay. just they just posted, get ready to think fast, run fast, at Glenn Powell, with a press release that says, Omaha Productions partners with Hulu, 20th Television, Glenn Powell, Michael Waldron, Eli Manning, NFL Films, and ESPN to produce a scripted Chad Power series based on the character from Eli's Places. This, this feels cheesy. But like, Ted Lasso felt cheesy well, and it worked. I, I thought the same exact thing. I'm the, thinking, this is a series and it worked. Okay. So I... Will I'll, it work I'll, with someone other than Eli doing it? I'll reserve... I mean, Glenn Powell is going to be better than Eli would, you know, working in a scripted series. Well, yeah, but it's a... It's um, a I, mean, I, I reserve judgment. I, I Again, Ted, Ted Lasso to me is the, the outlier okay. of this is how it could work. Now, if done in the wrong way, it's going to come across as cheesy, and it'll be a one series, a one season run, and it'll be over. But if done the right way, maybe. Okay, so how many how many people are still watching Game of Thrones and the spinoffs that we've seen? They're, they're HBO's funding another one. Oh, a lot of people watch House of, House of the Dragon, but the, there's two more now, right? Right. They're, that's the only spinoff that's been actually that's aired the one okay. season. I thought they're I working one on, on other ones. I mean, there's. They, the boatload of money that they're pouring into that. I think that HBO was, has made a, a serious miscalculation. They can't do the stuff they were doing of, when of Game timing, of Thrones started. Of timing. Like, they needed to capitalize quickly. Yeah, but they can't do what they, they were didn't. doing in the, er, the first three seasons of Game of Thrones anymore. That, no, that, and nothing's going to shock anyone. Can, exactly. You so, can't kill off anyone and everyone talk about it. Right. There's, there's not going to be the shock value on anything they do, but... Again, I think they would have been better off immediately going to something else. Like, they took too much time. Now they're taking too much time for even a season two of House of the Dragon. They're taking too much time on this, whatever the hell dunk and egg is, that this other, (laughs) these characters are based off of for this other series. It's It's all taking too much time. The House of the Dragon, the the storyline of, what, 100 years before Game of Thrones, that's a cool prequel premise for a show. I like the show. It's fine. Yeah, but it's not. It doesn't grab it's you the same way. It's taking too long though to get to it, and I think there, yeah. there's one or two ways to go. Like you do the Top Gun approach, and you wait 30 years or whatever it was to to release the sequel, or you go to it quick and capitalize on popularity. Yeah, but I, I thought going back in time so far, trying to navigate who's who's who, you know, it was. It can it can be a little they bit confusing. They started the wrong storyline. You know where like. Top Gun got it right? They immediately basically announced the Top Gun three. That Top Gun Maverick was so successful. Just they're already this good. fall. They started writing Top Gun three that will have Tom Cruise, Glenn Powell, and Miles Teller in the lead. But I mean, the thing may not be shot for another year and a half and come out in three years because Tom Cruise is busy making you know nine Mission Impossibles. Is Yellowstone right happening? Now. Yeah, I, I saw a casting uh, announcement the other day that Michelle Pfeiffer 
is okay. going to be in it with Matthew McConaughey. McCon- okay. In whatever the spinoff is of it. Yeah. And they, they still have the 4-6 They still have show? the final season. Okay. They have to run, too. They have a release date on that. I want to say that's this summer. Maybe no, that'll, that'll yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Based on Costner and the, and the, the strike. Chad, um, Scottie Pippen's vitriol for Michael Jordan is something to behold. Because it's, it's I don't know what they would do or what Scotty would do in the same room with Michael. You know? But the dude's on a tour, a hate tour, uh, called the No Bull Tour, where Pippen's like going on this, uh, I think he's in Australia and New Zealand. And he's got Luke Longley and Horace Grant with him. And they're going around, they're selling tickets to this tour where they are uh, more or less just telling the other side of the story from The Last Dance. Three years ago is when The Last Dance released. And we're, he's doing this in New Zealand and Australia. I mean, I, I understand Luke Longley's there. Yeah. But, I mean, bring it here. Bring it to the States, man. That's where you're going to get the buzz and the, the attention. I'd, and, and then you have Horace Grant saying that he would have kicked Dennis Rodman's ass. I mean, I want to see what Horace Grant would do in a room with Dennis Rodman. He might kick his ass. I don't know. Horace Grant was kind of a badass. In his own uh, way. He, it, Maybe yes. he would. Um, uh, uh, very, I don't know that the people of Chicago want this. So I, mean, I see this and I'm thinking, they're well, going to side with Michael Jordan course, and the yeah. last dance. So I don't know that it's going to be well received around uh, Chicago. I mean, that Grant Longley boldly announced that this Pippen as well, uh, that they're ready to go against the narrative and present a side to those winning years in Chicago. Never heard before by the people of Australia and New Zealand. Just weird. Bizarre. I just, I, I don't, I love the Bulls of this era. Yes. I don't care about the perspective of anyone not named Michael Jordan and maybe Phil Jackson. I mean, they are, the, the, they are wearing rings that Jordan, like, obtained. I yeah. mean, he also, Scottie Pippen was a part of this docuseries. All, yeah. This is all in response. It's not just Jordan. It's in response to The Last Dance that became so popular during COVID that they felt mischaracterized them. But Pippen was a part of it. Pippen spoke a ton on camera. Yes. There was an entire, I think episode two, was entirely dedicated to Scottie Pippen's background, coming from Arkansas and everything else. He was a huge part of this docuseries. B.J. Armstrong was a big part of it, had fun with it. Steve Kerr getting punched by Michael Jordan was discussed. He's on camera talking about it. I don't... I, I get that they feel like, well, Jordan manipulated this and made himself look better. And this, I didn't come away from that docuseries telling myself, man, I hate Horace Grant now. No. Or that damn Luke Longley. What about that guy? You know, Tony Kukoc sucks. <laughs> and I thought he was good back in the day. The Croatian sensation is nothing. But what did we think of Scotty? I didn't think any of those things. I thought Scotty was selfish, yeah. like, like Michael told us. But. Scotty was kind of being selfish, he was. right? And he's doing it again right now. <laughs> yes. Like, I believe that because it's the facts are Scotty Pippen was mad that he signed a terrible contract and that Jerry Reinsdorf, who yeah. told him, That's right, I'm yeah. going right back to the source material. Jerry Reinsdorf said when he signed it early on, you may want to hold out on this and I'm not going to renegotiate but it's your, your right to sign it if you want. He signed it anyway, then wanted to renegotiate. Jerry Reinsdorf fulfilled his promise and said, I'm not going to talk to you about it. 
So Scottie Pippen waits to have back surgery as the season starts to screw over the Bulls and Reinsdorf. If I were to ask any player on the Bulls what that says about Scottie Pippen, what would it say? Selfish. That he's selfish. So once again, Michael Jordan is right. I, he's correct in that assessment. I mean, he calls he calls Jordan, Scotty was being selfish. I mean, he calls he calls Jordan the worst teammate ever. Um, I mean, just and here's the thing: like, uh, you know, you have those. Well, uh, enjoy you, those rings. I oh, mean, exactly. You know, exactly. Um, Steve Kerr did not write you know a big love letter to Michael Jordan in the thing, but he also acknowledges that his greatness helped him have a great career. Yeah. Because he was around that greatness. But think, and whatever he was doing so, worked. You know, you can have a good old JR, Jim Ross, right? And Jerry the King Lawler. They they are, they go on tour every now and then, right? Through the comedy shows, uh, comedy spots. And they're telling old stories about Stone Cold and The Rock and Undertaker and Vince McMahon. When you're there, you don't want to just hear the negative and hear people complaining. Right? Yeah. You want to hear the you want to know what it was like to watch Jordan gamble. And you know how who who would always go toe to toe with him on rolling dice. You know those types of stories. You can have the negative, but you also have to work in better stories than just that if you want to get the '90s basketball fan out of me and actually buy a ticket to this instead of just like Horace Grant saying, "Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna I would I would have kicked Dennis Rodman's ass." Okay, like say that in Australia, <laughs> New Zealand. But by the way, where's Luke Longley's quote in this story? Does he just does he, I don't he know. doesn't speak? Luke Longley, though, it was startling to see Luke Longley today as versus the Luke Longley I remember. Oh, he doesn't hey. look terrible. He just has like a white in his red beard, <laughs> and he's got a beard now, and he had glasses on. He had like a black rimmed spectacles. The whole thing threw me off because I go back to my childhood version I saw of Luke yeah. Longley, who was terrific for those Bulls teams. He was the perfect center. That could hit the 17-foot elbow jumper with regularity. Perfect for those Bulls teams. I wish Luke Longley was a part of the uh, the docuseries. I don't think Tony Kukoc was either. They talked about him a lot, but I don't know that he was on camera either. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, Maybe he was. I think you're... You know what this has inspired me to do? Them having this hate tour of Michael Jordan has inspired me to watch Michael Jordan's directed docuseries again. Hey. I want to go back and watch The Last Dance now, just having this conversation. Consider So congratulations, Horace and Scotty and Luke. You have, uh, you have forced me to go back and watch the very you- thing that you hate that you feel like has turned you into something. There's Luke Longley. He looks good, Yeah, but it just threw me off when well, I saw him. They all, do. They all like, look Man. virtually the same except for Luke Longley. Scotty with, Pippen with the longer- looks like too close to his playing days. Yes. He's and- about 20 pounds lighter. Adam has not gained Horace an ounce Grant of fat. Horace Grant needs to put the glasses on if yeah. he's on stage. Yeah, Horace Grant looks good, too. Yeah. Hey, uh, what looks you, way younger than I expected. You, you mentioned you're motivated to go re- re- uh, rewatch this. What do you think Larsa Pippen is motivated to do after hearing this? Or Marcus Jordan? Her motivation is uh, not <laughs> PG-13 rated, no. the way this docuseries was. Johnny Manziel, uh, no PG-13 either uh, during his playing days, and uh, maybe not now either, for, for all we know. He was uh, with the Shannon Sharp. And uh, told this story about, well, the option to gamble and why he didn't. Um, and I remember, and this is how bad off I was whenever I was in Cleveland. You know, LeBron would text me every week to come over to the house and watch a game or play poker with the boys and just tried to be there. And I was so depressed for the first time in my life that even my biggest role model and inspiration in my life 
couldn't get me out of bed to come and hang out with them. Wow. You know, when I went to the Cavs games, I went, I was in, I was out. I didn't really grasp and latch on um, to him in a way that I should have. And he tries to take me under his wing, right? And I'm just kind of nudging it away because of where my mental is and being just fully depressed in where I was in my life. Is that an excuse? Absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, the respect that I should have for them, giving me everything, should trump all else. Chad, he said more there than he did in the Untold series. Yeah. In that one clip. He said a lot more than that, too. I mean, he was uh, very honest. Talked about losing 40 pounds quickly after leaving the Browns. 210 to 17. And said, how do you do that? And he said, well, steady diet of Coke will do that for yeah, you. Which I think most of us looked at him and could have guessed that well, was what was going on. It's remarkable of how bad he admits to being. And, and look, if you really think about it, he had to be Johnny Football. Yeah. He was, I don't know if, to me, that guy is Johnny Menzel talking. I don't know how often I've heard him speak as Johnny Manziel. He's always got to be on. Was he Johnny Football on the sidelines with you for the A&M uh, Bama game, or was he Manziel? He was, uh, I think he was Manziel. You Locked know, we, we hung out with him later that night too, and he felt like he was he was Johnny Manziel and not you know the walking in though he's Johnny, Johnny Football, football so persona. He gets if he's handed a shot, he's taking it because he's Johnny Football. Yeah, yeah. Well, even in that docu series, that was uh, you know Ryan Leaf, our, our frequent yeah. guest, said I was uncomfortable with it because he's talking about his rehabilitation process and everything else, and I'm seeing him you know play uh, you know uh, beer pong with his buddies in Arizona the the whole time on it. So I I, I don't know, like I, I can't yeah. He's not the type of guy. When he lost 40 pounds quickly and he looks all gaunt and just drawn out, you can tell something's up. I don't look at him physically in this interview and think that he's messed up or anything, but I just it's hard to I tell know. with Manziel. Yep. Or is it Johnny Football, like you said? Is it Johnny Manziel or Johnny Football? I don't know. I don't know I, who I we're looking at. Majority of the time I don't know who Football. we're listening to half the time. He's and very he honest. He owns a bar now in College Station. Yeah, he's very honest, which yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, he's, uh, hearing from him in this regard is a, is a we great thing. We need to thing. get our guy Billy Lucci back on and talk yeah, talk more no about doubt. this. Um, good thing that Big Dom is uh, back with the Philadelphia Eagles, Chad. You've got uh, Craig Carton, FS1 host, hinting at the, uh, the real reason for the demise of the Eagles. It's because Big Dom wasn't on the sidelines. And it, Sirianni uh, was off balance. He was getting into arguments. Uh, Big Dom's absence led Sirianni to uh, arguments with players and coaches during games. Um, how do we not catch this on, on camera? How is Big Dom not the highest paid security guard in the history of the NFL, given he this news that he's that impactful to wins and losses for the Philadelphia Eagles, that they go from Super Bowl to self-combustion because he's not on the sideline to break up fights. Chad, I told you last night I was at dinner with some NFL coaches. And I asked, I went around the room and just asked favorite owners to, to coach under. Jeffrey Lurie was mentioned almost immediately. Okay. And the reason for that is he knows everyone by name and he knows every detail of that, of that club. Of that organization, Robert Kraft is similar. Watching well, the watching the dynasty, just oh, and things yeah. that he knows and like so, stories he's telling about back then. It, it's clear that guy is involved in the day to day. Thinking about that though, just going through the thought process right here, there's no way he brings back Sirianni if it was really that bad and toxic. 
Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, because he would know the detail behind the scenes of that. It's, now, a, it's a big year. It's a big year for there, him. There are some former players that are saying, hey, it's more about uh, Howie Roseman than it is Sirianni. It's a massive year for both of them. Yep. Uh, big time of year for lawsuits. It's Legal. always it's always a good time of year for lawsuits. Well, it, lawsuits we, don't really have a downtime. You can always file it, them. Right now, though, like in our lane, they're all over the place. Maybe Christmas week, you know, some clerks are out of the office. That's a slow yeah. time for lawsuits being filed. Yeah. But every other week of the year, it's a good time yeah. to be in, be every in the day lawsuit offers business. Billable hours. Yeah. Right. Billable hours. If you're in the litigious business, it's always a good time of year. And that is uh, Amy Dash who's about to join us, and we... It's always a good time of year to have Amy Dash on the show. Yes, that's right. And we, uh, we dive into the, the, the legalities across sports, including the streaming services and the war that's going on behind the scenes, which also includes the NFL. That's next on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth Ed Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on here at Outkick.com. Uh, Chad, it, it's your birthday. I mean, it, it was, well, it's always happy hour here, but. Those are going to go a little 50 cent there. Yeah, we need, it's, it's your birthday. Well, it's, uh, uh, 50 you cent, broke uh, out a little 50 we, cent we for a second. About to play that uh, as they, you know, to play yeah. us out. That's our today. bumper music the entire time. We'll do a toast uh, in a moment. Yes, we will. Uh, also, not just your birthday, but a toast to uh, uh, the, the great Amy Dash who joins us. Uh, legal analyst and we we need uh a ton of info today amy thank you for the time sure go ahead shoot are you a big birthday person first off amy do you, do you like to celebrate your own birthday is it a week-long celebration well, for you is it one day because oh. i i have a hard time even remember remembering it is my birthday at this point in life so i have never discussed this on the air but my birthday is actually april fool's day wow oh wow that's a big birthday yeah what was that like growing up I played a lot of tricks on people. I was I was always the one playing the tricks. I was never duped by people. So that that's good, right? That's perfect. Yeah. Then it's a fitting birthday for you. If you're the trickster, then April Fools is the perfect birthday for someone who's the one that's the pranker and not the pranky. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I love it. And everybody always remembers it. So I get a lot of uh, happy birthday texts and celebrations, I don't know. I mean, we try our best, but now that I'm a mom, the big celebration 
celebrations are for the kids. Yeah. Though so my- I, I am trying to rally a lot of moms. I was like, we need because I go to these big birthday parties and like the birthday parties have become so ridiculous for the, for the little kids now. Like I had like a double dare birthday party when I was little and it was in some like room with no decorations, you know, and we were just playing these really races. And now it's a whole big thing. My kids come to me with these themes. So I said to the mom, like, we need birthday parties like this for ourselves. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you've earned it, right? The moms have earned it. My, My kids the same way. Like it's always a new theme every year. And I, I will say being born on 222, is a memorable one also. I think people sometimes remember that just because 222, much like being born on April Fool's Day. So we do have that part in common. What's 222? A special birthday for you, Chad? I mean, I, I didn't. I don't remember it. You know, I don't remember a lot about that day, but I think it was pretty important. Solar eclipse or something. I always like to tell people uh, I share the same birthday as George Washington. So two great leaders. Right. We're born on that day. George Washington and myself. Amy Dash is the uh, Odyssey legal insider who joins us. Um, so uh, when we see the, the headline and read through the, the, the reports that the NFL is looking in to, for, for loopholes, Amy, with, uh, in regards to the, the, the partnership uh, where ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery are coming together uh, to, to put out a, 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 to join forces and potentially stream games or content. What, what's the league looking for specifically? And what could they end up doing to this trio that's come together? Well, if they're looking for uh, some sort of loophole, that says to me that it's actually not very clear in the contract. So what would have protected them was an express carve out. Anything that's expressed, the courts love to uphold that. Um, but I'm guessing that they had to have some language in there that would prohibit uh, these people that they distribute and license their content to from using content that would conflict with content that they're already distributing on other platforms. So they have methods of streaming their games through their apps or for NFL Plus and the like that might end up protecting them. Um, but essentially, I don't think it's going to get that far. I really don't think this is something that's going to end up going to court because the NFL really has all the leverage here. I mean, there are other networks they can go to in the future, and I just don't see these big companies wanting to burn their bridges. So I think what will happen is that maybe the, these companies will be able to license and stream exclusive content from the NFL, um, you know, maybe big moments or like pregame interviews and things of, of that nature. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this case, and I'm like you. I can't think of any scenario where the NFL doesn't get what they want, ultimately, (laughs) with these partners, right? I mean, even if there is some vague language in all the pages of this contract that Warner and Disney and Fox could point to and say, well, we might have you on this one. If the NFL just came back and said, no, we didn't agree to any of this and you're not going to do it, then ultimately the NFL is going to get their way, right? I think so. And um, I happen to know somebody who works in media at the NFL, who was one of the people that sort of reformed the way that they distribute their content. And I think the NFL has come a really long way in terms of making their content more accessible and modernizing it to the way that people get their entertainment these days. So um, with all the deals that they are doing with a variety of platforms, um, I I think that they would probably just collaborate with these organizations so that these guys get a little something exclusive and unique that they can offer. And then the NFL still retains 
uh, the rights to monetize their content to the best of their ability while still distributing it out to the masses on like these commercial television stations, which, by the way, I mean, the biggest threat and the reason why the NFL wouldn't want to give that streaming rights over uh, entirely is because then people people are consuming on these mobile platforms. So nobody would watch the television and then that would detriment ESPN and, and all these um, television channels anyway. So I don't even think they would want to undercut their television business, which is where they get the bulk of their advertising money. I'm, I'm curious, Amy, why the, the language would be vague enough for the NFL to look for loopholes. I, I would think the, the league with all the different media contracts and agreements that they have wouldn't have to search very much for a loophole in a contract. I was shocked by that because streaming is nothing new. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. So you'd think that that would have been hashed out and that this possibility would have been uh, foreseen when they were making these contracts. But I, I just don't see, first of all, I don't see the partnership of these mega conglomerates um, you know, withstanding the antitrust scrutiny. And I know we're going to talk about that. So we don't even know if their streaming platforms are going to be allowed to, to ultimately happen. So totally, you may have no answer to this, okay? But this just popped in my mind as you were talking about all of this with the NFL. The mm -hmm. NFL and their teams control NFL films. So NFL films mics up players during games. It is very clear that the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey, they do not want the audio of him accosting his head coach to get out, <laughs> right? Inside yeah. the NFL is not showing it. No one's talking about it. No one's commenting on why it happened. That audio exists, okay? But the only people that are privy to that audio are NFL employees. So I'm just asking a legal question here. If I'm Travis Kelsey and I come to Amy Dash for legal representation, if that audio leaks on any platform anywhere, would Travis Kelsey have a lawsuit or the Chiefs have a lawsuit against someone at NFL Films knowing that it had to come from them with that audio? Or is it just, hey, you signed up for it, it's out there, we told you you have the right of first refusal, you could cut it out, but, you know, bleep happens and someone leaked it. What, what would the legal recourse be, if any? Uh, it would probably be like a copyright infringement suit, something related to the intellectual property because they they own the mics, right? As long as it was caught on a recording device that they own, then they own that content. And so that content can't be on platforms. Like it, it was, it's as if uh, you were taking a highlight from an NFL game and you were just an average Joe Schmo and you try to put that on your social media account, you might get some sort of a copyright infringement violation from that platform saying that you have to take it down because the NFL has asserted their claim over ownership of that content. Now, if somebody, and this happens all the time actually, because I recently worked on a documentary where um, a lot of the video of a game from ESPN, we weren't able to get from the network, uh, but there were people in the stands that were filming and their home videos caught the incident or caught the audio, then that person owns that content because they're the ones that recorded it. And so therefore they they could sell that to somebody and that's another way that it could get out. But but if it got out from actual audio or video owned by the NFL, then no, that would probably be taken down. It's also intriguing, Amy, just being on the sidelines for games where you have the boom mics, you have the parabolics. Um, I mean, the, the players are mic'd up. You know, they, they, there's something to the fact that once you get mic'd up, they're going to use whatever they end up using, right? Like umpires in Major League Baseball, 
um, it, if you if you're recording something there, right after the game, if it's not going to be used, they delete the audio. Like that, that's the rule in Major League Baseball. That's not the case with NFL films. They run back and forth with what they have, uh, changing batteries all the time. Well, you know, first of all, sometimes they hold on to that stuff that they capture. And then like 10 years from now, you'll see a documentary come out with like yeah. unseen. I mean, they're partnering a lot with Netflix and all of these streamers to create their own content. Um, you know, there's there's a big Patriots. I think there's like a multi-part series that that a friend of mine directed that's out now on Apple. Plus. It's really I good. Think. I'm watching it. Yeah. The the I Dynasty on Apple Plus. <laughs> really good. Yep. Yeah. So but listen, this doesn't mean that the person controlling the boom didn't hear what was said and wouldn't go and leak that to somebody in the press because. His ears are not copyrighted, so that's right. a lot of that's a lot of the time the ways in which people find out what was actually said, and then it becomes you know it goes through the rumor mill. I picture like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they show that warehouse with all the different hidden secrets of the government that they found over the years. Like NFL Films probably possesses so much audio that they'll never release to the public with all of these mics they've had over the years of things people have said that is being protected by the teams that they probably possess, that maybe someone stumbles upon at some point, but they because they have final cut, the teams do, the players, that's how they allow themselves to get mic'd up in the contracts because they can cut it out if they want to. There's got to be a lot of stuff out there oh, but that the NFL never wants us to hear. I, I don't think they the players have any say over this because the players will come up and be like, hey, man, I'm mic'd up. Or, are you? oh, I forgot I was mic'd up. And they'll shut up with their conversation immediately. Yeah, but the teams can help them out if there was something they specifically want out because that's what happened here. The team said don't release it with, with Kelsey. Amy Dash, our guest. Uh, so from the, the other lawsuits that are going on, uh, Fubo, and what, what they're trying to do with ESPN and Fox and, and Warner Brothers Discovery, from the, the NFL looking for loopholes to another streaming outlet now also uh, prepared to, uh, to head to court. What... What's the difference between the two here, Amy? And ultimately, what what do you find that's intriguing that they could have a, a claim or a a winning argument here? I think the difference is the relationship. So, you know, ESPN and the other networks are obviously dependent on the NFL for this content. They both stand to make a lot of money and benefit from that relationship going well. But with Fubo, um, they are concerned that this new streaming network's aim is to put their streaming network out of business. So it's a little bit different because they're basically saying, listen, here's a joint venture and joint ventures can exist, um, but they really have to operate in a way that's pro-competitive and not in a way that, you know, dampens competition or increases prices or reduces the availability of uh, desired content. So joint venturism is a great way that people can challenge companies, you know, that are conglomerates that come together to collaborate and essentially then dampen the marketplace or affect the market competition. So, you know, Fubo is saying here that, uh, I mean, what they're saying is that it's an antitrust violation, but I would actually take it a step further. And and I, if I were their lawyer, I would say that this really looks like it's a conspiracy because first of all, they come out with this sports streaming platform. And what they're alleging is that, you know, over time, these networks have bundled their content, have forced them to buy content that's not even sports related, have, you know, discriminatorily raised prices just for them and nobody else. 
and that they can't get the sports content that they're used to streaming on their platform from anywhere but these networks because they've bundled it. So, you know, you have to go to this one-stop shop, and that's one of the metrics of whether a joint venture is operating in an anti-competitive way is like, do they operate individually or as a single unit? And as a result of operating as a single unit, um, are they raising prices? Well, yeah, they they were in this instance. Are they reducing the availability of content there by dampening the competition in the market? Yeah, they are because you can't get the content anywhere else. Um, and then essentially, you know, the conspiracy, the idea of the conspiracy would be to say we we were first with the sports streaming platform. Now, instead of just acting as a licensor and distributor of content to our streaming platform, they're trying to create their own streaming platform. So essentially, they've raised prices on us. We've had to pass that down to the customers. It's affected our customer base. It's affected our overall profits. So like. What's the what's the goal here? I would argue the goal is to put us out of business and take over our streaming platform business. So from one Sherman antitrust lawsuit to another, the states of Tennessee and Virginia banding together to sue the NCAA, claiming antitrust violations based on prospective student athletes not being able to shop their NIL market value around to other schools, depending on, on where they go. How strong is this case for the states of Tennessee and Virginia versus the NCAA? I think this is such a complicated case because a lot of the headlines that I'm reading, it's like making it seem like it's a case that's challenging the NCAA trying to put restrictions on the marketing of an athlete's NIL, which we saw by the Supreme Court basically said you can't do that. But what the NCAA is saying is we're just trying to prevent these schools and boosters from using top athletes and NIL deals as a recruitment tool because we have members who have said, essentially, it's the wild, wild west out here. You got to help us because the influence of money is going to come in and it's going to affect the ability of, of these schools to gain top tier talent, meaning you know, all the top tier talent is going to go to the schools who have the boosters that can come out and offer NIL deals or who have the top athletes that will get money to go and try to convince a young recruit to go and play with them. So I don't think it's as like cut and dry as the headlines make it out to be. I think there is some, um, you know, good purpose here by the NCAA, but I also think they're in a losing battle because there's so much happening in terms of the landscape here to classify what these athletes are. Are they um, are they just operating in the free marketplace where they're just trying to make money off their name, image, and likeness? Are they going to be employees? I mean, now the NCAA has this whole plan to basically boost up this division one category where everybody would be paid like a salary of $30,000 a year. I think that's going to be a disaster. I think getting into this game of hiring employees having employees unionize, dealing with all that as a, as a university is going to be a complete disaster. Um, so I think they should just get out. I think the NCAA should just get out of the NIL game. I think they should let NIL be a free marketplace um, and just work on you know other rules that are directly related to the competition and just tell the schools, listen, the athletes can go out, they can cap capitalize on monetize their name, image, and likeness, but stay out of it. The schools should stay out of it. 
I, I don't think they should get in the business of employing athletes. Amy Dash with us. You can follow her on social at Amy Dash TV from Odyssey, the legal insider. How typically, just in general, um, how easy or how difficult is it to receive the, the preliminary injunction? So they didn't receive it because the judge said that they didn't meet the standard, uh, you know, the states didn't of Tennessee and Virginia didn't meet the standard of uh, proving that there would be irreparable harm to the students if they didn't get the injunction, but then went on to say there's a high likelihood that they would win on the merits of the case later on down the road. So you need both. So that's why they didn't get the preliminary injunction. Um, but I think it is very hard to prove irreparable harm when you're talking about something so subjective because you're talking about a large pool of people rather than like one individual person, for example, not playing in a certain game that they can never get back. They can never get their stats from that game back. They can never get, you know, their reputation back from playing in that game. The, the, if the team loses, it affects the overall uh the overall standing of the team. And even in those cases, preliminary injunctions usually aren't granted. So that's what makes it so hard for this. Would it be easy for the states of Tennessee and Virginia to win that injunction if the NCAA went as far as to, let's say, rule Nico Yamaleava uh, ineligible and say you're, you're out for the next few games, suspended for two or three games? Could they then easily prove that's irreparable harm now that they're actually doing something against this player? Um, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they could. I think that's, that would be a better argument because it's directly impacting the game. I just think the NCAA is battling so many different fronts. I mean, the, the Department of Justice even hopped into the lawsuit challenging the transfer eligibility rules. So you have all these states that were allowed to enact their own NIL rules, and there's no uniform federal standard. So, so basically in this lawsuit in particular, one of the main arguments, one of the main attack points is that your rules are completely arbitrary. And that's one of the ways of invalidating rules by a governing body and saying that they're illegal. And, and you can say they're arbitrary because all the rules vary state to state. There's nothing to compare them against. They might conflict with some of the rules. You know, they're made up by a governing body that has their own financial interest here, right? Because, I mean, even, even some of the language is just so, um, it's such a clue to me of, of what the NCAA is trying to do. Because basically, when they came up with this idea to, to put all the Division I uh, schools together and say, oh, we'll pay $30,000 a year. But then the language was, but I think rather than make this an employment situation, we want to make this a contractual situation. And whenever you have pay $30,000 a year and a contractual situation, it says to me that the NCAA is seeing the bottom line in terms of profitability. And they're saying, if we can make hundreds of millions of dollars off these athletes and only pay them $30,000 and sign them to a contract that restricts their rights again, the way we restricted their rights their entire career before the Austin ruling and, this, and the Supreme Court said you can't do that anymore. Now we're back in business. Now we're making a lot of money. We've got them tied up. Their rights are tied up. We give them the $30,000 to make them happy, but it's not going to work, right? Because the NIL is a property right. The NCAA never should have never should have had the right to take this from students. It's a constitutional right to their own property that they were forced to give away. So actually, the NCAA could use that contract to do anything. I mean, the athletes are trying to get back pay now for all the years they were taken advantage of. They want 
over a billion dollars. The NCAA could say $30,000 acts as a settlement. You take the 30,000, now you can't sue us for back pay. Like there are so many rights that they would have to give up in this contract that when I hear the word contract and payment, um, it's it's like a bribery to me. I, I think it's a terrible idea. And there's no one really representing the player in the in the negotiation for all of this, right? Like you got collectives, individual collectives, but they're representing the university as well um, and the player mm-hmm. and, and the booster and the sponsors. Um, in, in regards to a $30,000 payment or whatever, like this, it's not like the NFL with the collective bargaining agreement, the Players Association. You don't have that representative in that room. Right. And what they're saying, what the NCAA is saying in, in order to justify its own existence is that. Same out of there to show you who you should partner with. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. We just, you, you cut yeah. out just for a moment there, Amy. Pick up where you were. Sure. So I was saying the whole the whole reason the NCAA is trying to justify its existence is to say that our rules are to protect you. So exactly what you just said is that they're saying we're trying to govern this to get bad actors out of here. We want to show you who you should partner with for NIL deals. We want to show you which agents are good characters that can protect you, which lawyers you should work with. The problem is they're just too self-interested. So they everything that, that they're saying sounds great on the surface, but then there's that underlying, we're going to protect you, but we're also, we also want complete control over how these profits are distributed. We want complete control about the influence of outside boosters and how you're monetizing your NIL. And they just can't do both. I, I think they can recommend advisors and I think that they can prevent, you know, uh, certain things from happening during the recruitment process the, that affect the game, tampering and things of the like. But I don't think they can then go in and tell athletes how to monetize their NIL uh, because it's a conflict of interest. Amy Dash, Odyssey's legal insider. You can follow her at Amy Dash TV. Always great to catch up with you, Amy. We appreciate you. Same here. Happy birthday, Chad. Thank you so much, Amy. Appreciate it. So the April Fool's... Uh birthday for Amy and, and a 222 and for 222. me yeah she's always great um thankful to have her on the show do you think $600 is great to receive a payment if you're a college football player for EA Sports college football I think it's um a lot of money they're going to be shelling out when you look at all the players for all the teams in, in college football and uh, I think for most college football players that's yeah. absolutely an appropriate amount of money for them to get plus a free copy of the game they'll get on top of that and I think for the other ones that it doesn't make as much sense because they mean more, they're going to get paid in a separate NIL deal. I wonder how how much, and if we actually see the 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 bottom line number. Well, I want to see the six hundred to what? I want to see the holdouts that that we yeah, witness with I mean, more than anything else. No doubt. Um, and maybe what if it's an entire team? See, that's where I would if, if everyone in the locker room just. Agrees. Yeah, we're not going to be a part of it. Yeah. We're going to have to uh, use fake people on ours. What if, what if you're Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah, and you just you do it that way. So it's a, a roughly 11,000 players uh, across college football for this game. Um, just quickly, I'll do the – let's see what they're paying. Because let's just say everyone opted in. Uh, it's uh, $6.6 million. Yeah. Uh, $6.6 million plus uh, give or take because that's not an exact number. Um, and I, I don't know, a hundred players probably. Well, and they're also going to give away. Gonna everyone's going to get a free negotiate. copy, which is about seventy dollars for the game. So they got to sell a lot of. Look, I, this is P 
People doubted this game coming back because of the cost of it now involved in it. It's not, this is not straight profit they're going to be raking in over this game. They're going to make profit, I think, but they're having to pay a lot of money to get this game off the ground. So that's why people didn't believe they would do it because well, the profit margins aren't going to be as good. Well, imagine if you have NC, it was not even NCAA, college football, EA Sports 2025, 2026. If you're opting in now, do you get another $600? Moving forward, you know, is it always going to be roughly seven million they're going to cash a, I, out? I think it's going to be an you know annual renewal. I would think this is for the twenty twenty five game. I guess twenty twenty six they'll give six hundred or seven hundred with inflation or whatever I'm a year. Sure, from now. They, they they've had someone overlook this this or contract, hear me out. They do this this year. They realize they didn't sell as many copies as they thought, and they never do it again because it doesn't make EA Sports money. Oh, I've, that could also happen. You and I don't play video games anymore. And we would play this one if it's in front of us. Again, we'll see. It's a lot more cost. They, they are not used to this type of cost for it also. Chad, cheers. Cheers. Happy birthday. Yep. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's do it. Let's uh, GTFO. Happy birthday to me. Yep. Thanks to everyone for all the birthday wishes. Terrific show. Hutton, uh, have, a, have a great trip. Thank you. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for holding it Ke down. Kelly in Vegas will be on with us tomorrow. And, and what time um, is that? Uh, you know what time it is? Same time as always, 4 to 6 Eastern time on the Outkick Network. Outkick.com slash watch. Cheers, everybody.